be in Matthew 25, if you guys want to turn there. We're going to be in verses 31 till the end, 46. All right? I'll let you guys get there. And so as I was praying about today, what I wanted to share, and I was, I was talking to Pastor um, Doug, and I was, I was contemplating what I wanted to share, and, and, and then I really felt like God was talking me to talk about uh, sheep. And I was like, all right, there's lots of stories about sheep and what that means. And then he was like... And then I was, I was going over, and then this, like, goats came to mind. So the, the uh, sermon title today is Sheeps and Goats, and uh, you'll, you'll see in just a second why I named it that. But uh, we're going to start in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All right, I don't want to move past this. Everyone, just imagine this. It's not Jesus as he was on earth. It's the Son of Man in all His glory. It's the Son of Man that has been um, given everything that was taken away for Him to come back on earth. We see um, in John 17, He's talking to the Father and He's saying, Okay, I have done what you've asked me to do. Lord, please uh, fulfill, give me, glorify me as I once had. Meaning that when He was here on earth, He was stripped of His glory so that He could accomplish the sacrifice of dying on the cross. So it's saying that He's going to come back in all His glory. Something that we as humans can't even imagine. Something that is so grand and so beautiful. It says that if we gaze on him with our human eyes, we'll die. We can't even comprehend it. So it's that. So he's coming down. He's sitting on his throne. And then if that isn't enough, it says that he and all his angels with him. All his angels. Let me give you a picture. It says um, in Revelations 5, it says that 10,000 times 10,000 angels. You know how many angels that is? A hundred million angels. So we have the Son of Man sitting on his throne in all his glory. That's just magnificent enough. And then we have a hundred million angels all around. Just picture that. So then once, and then he says, 32, it says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Just pause for a second. This is everybody. Celebrities, presidents, politicians, lawyers, doctors, homeless people, pastors, stay-at-home moms, dads, everyone. And one by one, he's going to go and separate them. Can you imagine? It's kind of scary. But it's, it's kind of beautiful. Like you're going to go and stand in front of the Son of Man in all his glory and a hundred million angels, and you're going to be in this huge sea of people. Everybody. You know, once we're up there, it doesn't matter who you were in the sense of what your job was. There's no VIP seating. <laughs> it's just everybody. And he's going to come forward, and he's like, all right, you go here, you go here, you go here. And I'm just saying right now, before we even go forward, I want to be in the sheep section. Because let's, let's keep reading. It says, uh, Then the king will say to those on his right, which are the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Oh my gosh. 
the Son of God, right? I just want you to picture this, how amazing this, the Son of God sitting on his throne, a hundred million angels, everybody is in one space, and he's one by one. And then he says to all of those on the right, on the right, um, all of those on the right, the sheep, and he says, all right, you are blessed by my Father. Take up your inheritance that I have already prepared for you. Can you imagine that day? I don't think there's a more glorious moment in the Bible to where he is saying, here, this is your inheritance. This is what you have done. This is what I have saved you for, for eternity, right? So then we keep reading, and it says, 35, it says, for I was hung, okay, this part's crazy, listen. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now everybody in the sheep section is kind of looking at him like, what? I, they're confused, right? Then he goes on, and, he, and, he, and he, he shares more. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and close you? When did we see you sick, see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king reply, will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. Let's just pause for a moment and just think about this. If we take this word seriously, or let's start with literally. So we mean that what it's saying in here is literal. I have to ask myself, I, I had to ask myself, am I taking this literally? What I do to the least of these brothers, those that need are in need, when I feed them, I'm feeding Jesus. When I clothe them, I'm clothing Jesus. When I give them shelter, I'm giving Jesus shelter. What, what, how would our lives look if we took this literally? And like maybe we take it literally. We believe what's in here. But what if we were taking it seriously? We have to take this stuff seriously. And, and you may be thinking, well, you live in Cambodia, and you're a missionary, and you're good at Well, no. Let me just put this in perspective. We walk out our doors, and there's need all around us all around us. And in Cambodia, the need is, is, is in your face. It is all, there is people that are without homes. There's, you know, there's kids that are running that don't have homes. I mean, there's just, it's in your face in Cambodia. But how many times have me or, or my wife or both of us been going and we're like, oh, man, we're just so tired. We just, let's just get home and sleep. We just spent all day doing ministry. But does God say that? Does he say in the word, well, as long as you're not tired, no, he doesn't say that. Well, then you say you might tell me, well, Joshua, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna kill yourself trying to save all these people and help all these people and and do all of these things that he's talking about. And I have to ask you, I have to deal with in my heart. I wonder. I'm like, we'll I have to try. I have to try. And so as I was, I was reading this, I was thinking, what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? The greatest commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, right? That is what God calls us to do. And if that's the greatest commandment, then how are we supposed to do that? From reading this passage, I don't see a better way of loving the Lord than by doing these things. 
than by feeding those that need to be fed, by clothing those that need to be clothed. Because it says literally, it is doing it as is you're doing it for Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, but then you might be wondering, well, Joshua, then aren't we getting into a works mentality? Aren't we getting into a works salvation? Well, you know. Let me just let me let me go this way. We know that's not true because we know in Scripture it says that your salvation comes from your belief. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Me will have eternal life." So we know that it, it comes from by faith, by believing in Jesus that we are saved. So I'm not saying that it's by what we do. But let me let me put this in your head. I think that the two should be synonymous. They should be the same. Because for when I was pursuing, I still pursue my wife, and if you don't, you should pursue your wife. But when I was pursuing my girlfriend before she was my wife, I loved her. And so I would do things for her. I would, when she needed something, I tried to meet that need. Wouldn't it be weird if I said I loved her, and I believed that I loved her, but I didn't do anything on that belief? It would be weird, right? So in the same way, I believe that what God is saying from this, I mean, if we look just at this scripture, it would, it would kind of sound like all he's asking us to do is to do these good works, right? Well, we, don't, we can't just look at one scripture and isolate. We have to look at the whole word of God, right? That's why we get into this word every day. Amen? Amen. All right, so it says that it's not by... Uh, it's not by action, it's, not by, uh, it's by belief that we get salvation. But from that belief, I believe we have to act out that when people truly believe, they're going to want to step out in faith and act out their salvation. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right. So what I, what I think is, is, I just think this is a great scripture about showing how we can love God. Because, I mean, when you love someone, you want to do whatever you can to help them. And so... One thing that I thought was just, one thing I thought that was just amazing is, is that when we see um, faith, I'm going to call it faith in action, when we see us people stepping out, one thing as I was reading uh, the word and one thing that was really uh, speaking to Susie and I and is um, something that we live by is it actually talks in James 127, it talks about what pure religion is. It says that pure religion, it says pure and undefiled religion is this. Caring for the widows and orphans. It doesn't say pure religion is going to church every Sunday. You should go to church. I'm not saying that's what pure religion is, though. (laughs) It doesn't say that pure religion is even reading your Bible every day. It says pure religion is caring for widows and orphans. And I didn't I didn't even know this this was in the Bible, and yet we moved to Cambodia, and I was like, I'm gonna do this for Jesus. And you soon come to realize you're gonna need more than just I'm gonna do this for Jesus. You need conviction and you need something to back up because the enemy is gonna come and he's gonna tell you every reason why you shouldn't be doing what God's asked you to do. And so you need your word in your life, you need this book in your life, so that when that comes, you can say, mm-mm, pure and undefiled religion is caring for widows and orphans. That's what we have to do in Cambodia. And so, as I was reading, reading this, I just, was, I just got excited. I was like, oh man, like, this, is what I need. this is why we're doing this. This is what I need to do. And, and I was praying, God, like, why, why am I sharing this to uh, this church, this American church that's in America? And I really believe that this is, I want to encourage you guys to know that there are ways that you can participate in this. 
There are ways for you to step into this, what God is asking us, and to clothe, to feed, to shelter, all of that. Because it says in God's word, he's going to be sitting there in all of his glory. I keep repeating this because I want you to picture this moment. 100,000 angels separating one by one. And then he's going to look at the sheep and say, here's your eternal reward because you clothed me, you fed me, you gave me shelter. But it doesn't stop there. A lot of times as a Christian church in America, we want to stop there. But if that doesn't motivate you enough, this next part should motivate you. Verse 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did, you see you, when did I see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing, sick or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then you will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. We don't like talking about this. Hell is a subject that we don't want to talk about. But I talk about this not to scare you, but I talk about this to encourage you that you don't have to be on the left in the goat section. You can be on the right in the sheep section. You don't have to get into that moment where God, is, the Son of Man is sitting on his throne in all his glory, and he says to you, you didn't feed me, you didn't clothe me. Could you imagine? Could you even just fathom for a moment that the, the God of the universe, the one that knows every hair on your head, the one that knew you before you were even created, before your parents were created, he knew you, and he's the one that's saying to you, you didn't, you didn't care for me. You did nothing to care for me. And when we think about that, I just, I just, I get so convicted because how many times have I passed up someone that was inconvenient to care for? The other day I was driving with my mother-in-law taking her to the airport, and I'm writing this sermon. I wrote this sermon like earlier last week, and so it's in my head, and it's early in the morning. I'm driving to the airport um, with my mother-in-law, Kim, and we're in the, in the car, and let me give you a picture of Kim for a second. She is one of the most loving, crazy people, ladies, you will ever meet. She's a lot like my wife, but just older and a little bit crazier. <laughs> and, uh, and she'd be okay with me saying this. Um, and one thing that I love about her, is she, and it drives me nuts, is she talks to everybody. I mean, we'll be walking on the, we're in Santa Cruz, we're walking on the beach, and she just talks to everybody. And people just look at her like, why are you talking to me, lady? Um, but she'll talk to, to, to people sitting on the street, homeless, and she'll, she just has a big, huge heart. Anyway, we're driving, we're going to the airport, and there's this homeless guy on the side of the road, and she just is like, oh, man, I forgot. I usually carry cash, and I want to be able to help them, and, or I want to go buy them a meal, but I don't have time. And, yeah, and she's thinking this, and in my head I'm thinking, why like, we don't have time for this. Like, let's go to the airport. And, like, and then we go to the airport. We just completely forget about this guy. We go to the airport. And I'm driving back by myself. Um, 
And I'm thinking, oh, man, dang it. I am going to preach about this on Sunday. (laughs) And I just passed him up because it was inconvenient. And am I saying that you have to stop for every single person that's in need? Maybe. I think our lives are all too busy, and we all think we're all that important, and I don't really think we are. Um, And so I think that we can pause. And I just wonder if I were to sit down with that guy, just, just to say hi and buy him a meal. I mean, like, what would that do for, for him? And you might be like, well, those guys need this, and they need to get into this, and they should, you know, you could get in that cynical view, but that's not what God asks us to do. What does he ask us to do? He says, clothe them, feed them, give them water when they are thirsty, give them shelter. He doesn't give any conditions. <laughs> we like to put conditions, well, we're going to do this if that. We'll start on Monday. (laughs) Right? And as I was reading this, one of the things that I was thinking about is how does this affect the American church? Because I'm going to be honest, it's a lot easier to live this word. It's a lot easier to live this out in Cambodia. And you may think, y'all, you're nuts. I'm never moving to Cambodia. It's way easier here. But for me, it's a lot easier to live this out in Cambodia, if I'm being honest. It's a lot harder here in the States because, like I said, a lot of the needs are hidden. And so as I, I was reading this, there was, I was thinking about how can I encourage the American church, the North American, Northern California church in this passage. And I really felt like God was saying is that we are called to stop for the one. It took one orphan to begin a revival in Cambodia to change a nation. It took one orphan where Pastor Ted and Sue said, yes, I will feed you. And look what happened. Over 18,000 orphans cared for, come to know Christ, changing the nation in Cambodia, almost one million salvations. And I'm not saying that so that you're like, wow, look what you're doing or look what they did. I'm saying, look what we as a body of believers are doing. Some people sent those people, and they were from America. And in the same way, we get to be part of something bigger like that. So I want to encourage you. I'm, going to, I'm just going to go back to this picture, and I want to leave you with this. The Son of God on his throne in all his glory. Our natural eyes couldn't even look at him. A hundred million angels all around. He separates you. Goats over here, sheep over here. And then he says to one, well done, good and faithful servant. Now claim your inheritance and your eternal reward and spend eternity. We're talking about eternity here. Don't even get me going on eternity. (laughs) A whole other sermon. Eternity. And then these guys, he says, you don't even know me. You don't even care for me. And you have to go spend eternity in hell. I said it, hell. That's the reality that we're living in today. And I just want to encourage you guys. um, There's two things I was praying about. And there are some of you in this room that are, you are called to go. You've been called for a long time to go. 
whether it's the neighbor across the street or whether it's another country. There are some of you in this room that are called to go. And some of you may be looking at those people that are called to go, and you may be like, that is going to take a lot of faith. You're crazy for going. You're crazy for doing that. That's a ton of faith. And it is. It is a ton of faith. But I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to be bold. Can I be bold with you guys? All right. There's another group of you. Y'all need to work even harder, and you're going to make more money and live on less, and you're going to give more. Because we need both. Some of you aren't called to go, per se. Some of you are called to do your jobs well. And I know that's bold coming from a missionary that's here and sharing about their need and what we're doing in Cambodia. But I'm saying that not even I'm saying that from this your perspective is it might be where God is saying I put you in this job I I've given you this job or I prophesy in Jesus' name if you don't have a job you're going to get one. But when you get that job you're going to do it to the best of your abilities because then you're going to be able to give more. Because this is all about getting as many people as we can to know God. And in this day and age, it costs costs money. It just is how it is. It costs money. Some of you are called to make that money. Some of you are called to go and to be the hands and feet that need to use the money to show people who God is, whether that's gas to get to a village or or a jeep to go through these terrains or, or whatever it is. The point is, is that you are called to do this. And, and the faith that it takes, one thing I thought was interesting is, is we're looking at the faith that it takes, right? For those of you that are, that are called to, to send, right, to give, it takes a lot of faith because you don't get to touch it and feel it. When Susie and I walk out the door and we go and we visit these um, different homes, and uh, one of our main jobs is we lead short-term teams that come. So we see these teams come, and, and they go out into a home, and they do a project, and they love on these kids and show them how valuable they are. But the, one of the best things for me is getting to see these, usually Americans, we have other co- countries that come, their faces light up when they give to these kids. And so Susie and I get to experience this amazing thing when we get to see their faces light up. We get to touch them and feel them and just love them, Right? But for you guys, it may be harder. I think it takes even more faith. And again, I know some of you are looking at me like, I could never go to Cambodia. You're crazy. We are crazy. But, you know, for you guys, it might take an even more faith. So today, I just want to encourage you in this is that we are praying for you guys, that God would give you an increase of faith, that you can do what you need to do so that on that day, God can say, you fed me. You clothed me. You gave me shelter. So, God, we just come before you. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing, God. And um, we ask you, Jesus, that you would be present in our lives. God, that on that day when there's all the magnitude and millions and billions of people, God, and you're separating us, God, we pray that that day we would hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is your inheritance. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, that we would see needs and fulfill them, God. That we would see that brother or sister, God, and we would see your face in them, Jesus. God, I just 
am so grateful, Jesus, that there is a church in Yuba City, California, God, that they want to get it, that they see this, God. So right now, with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you, you've never even believed. You've never said, I believe that you are God. I believe that you are my Savior. I believe that you want to spend eternity with me and that you forgive my sins. So if there's anyone in the room that, that wants to pray that right now, would you just lift your hand? So God, we pray, thank you, for Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent your one and only son to die for us, that we could spend eternity in heaven with you. God, we know that we are sinners, but you have saved us from your, with your grace and your mercy, and only through you can we be saved. And Father, we believe in you. And God, let our belief turn into action, that we may act on our belief and have faith for you to show up, God. And there's another group in, of you in here that maybe have believed, but you've never acted out on your faith. And if you want right now, we're going to pray for an increase of faith for you to do that. If you want that increase of faith, would you just raise your hand? So, dear God, I just pray, Lord, that that increase of faith, God, would come upon them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would anoint them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, God, to go and be little Christ, Christians, Father, living the word of God and stepping out, God, with a boldness, Father, to see nations transformed. Lord, give them a love for their brothers and sisters, God, that are in need. Give them a love for their neighbors, God, that need to hear who you are. And it may start by feeding them, giving them water, giving them shelter, giving them clothes. It's going to start with relationship. So give them boldness and give them faith to act it out in Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for your word that we get to dive into every day. Continue to speak through us. Continue to speak to us as our week goes on and, and let it not stop here. We pray this in your name, Jesus' name, amen.